0: What's up, everybody? It is Thursday, and it's uh, it's Parker Thune's birthday. You can wish him happy birthday today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That would be very nice of you, 405-651-3439. And uh, we're, we're thinking that Parker is uh, 17 years old today. Is that correct? <laughs> I tell you what, Mike, I was very impressed with the fact that you all
1: knew it was my birthday when I walked in. Because, like, that's not something I go... Like, generally, that's something I keep out of the public eye, but... I tell you what, I walk in and everybody's happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Is Nothing sick?
0: gets past the vineyards. That, I know they're they're very good people. That's what they are. They're very good people. So you're not uh, one of those people who go on social media and say like, oh my gosh, it's my birthday month. No. No, I'm. I'm definitely. I'm the farthest thing from a birthday month person. What do you think about the people who advertise their birthday? Is that cool? I guess you can do it on your birthday, right? I mean, I guess if you have a reason to advertise yeah, it. I'd see, I don't like calling attention to my birthday either, and I really don't want anything.
1: Because
0: then I don't have room
1: for anything.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel you on that.
1: My family will always ask me every single year, "What do you want for your birthday this year?" I'm like,
0: I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know. i probably know better than I do what I need. It's such a departure from when you were a kid, man. I know. You just were counting down the days. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Or Christmas. You know, you're thinking about you know, the, the score you're going to get for Christmas. Now people ask me, what do you want for Christmas? Eh, I don't need anything. Seriously. I just enjoy other people watch, uh, watching them open their presents. I just, I, number one, again, uh, if you want to give me cold, hard cash, that's fine. I'll, I'll accept that. Or a piece of MasterCard, whatever. <laughs> but if you want to give me anything, I don't have room for it. I just don't have room for it. So that's kind of how I roll with it. But happy birthday to you. What are you going to do uh, exciting for your birthday besides this show? Oh, gosh. Well,
1: I, uh, that's the other thing, too, is like once you – once I, at least in my case, once I got to college, birthdays became a whole lot less exciting. Now, my 21st was kind of an event, and – my best friends got about two dozen people or so together and uh, we all went out to eat uh, one I, I think it was a Monday yeah it must have been a Monday night because uh, at the time we all of course were still in the college of journalism and me and my buddies were all tied up in the production of uh, the syndicated sports, Program over there. And so we produced the show on Monday evening. And then afterwards, we all went out to Pub W over on the west side of Norman. There you go. Just spent a few hours there. But that's about as much pomp and circumstance as I have had for a birthday since I went off to college.
0: You know, I have found that adults birthday parties has become a lot more prevalent it used to be a big celebration for a kid right like a kid's birthday party and you'd get all the props and everything and people would get the cake and the party favors and the kid has his birthday party you know what created uh the onslaught of adult birthday parties what's that facebook (laughs) oh boy here we go (laughs) Facebook and these events that people invite you to all the time. I don't want to go. You can invite me, but I don't want to go. I'm just telling you right now. Because it, for a while, it became an event, like two or three events every week. It's like, oh, my gosh. Seriously? If you have Facebook, you know, leading your social life, and you don't even really like Facebook, that's a big problem. And it was that way for a while. It was like, are you serious? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't want to
1: go. It's always a toss-up on any given day whether Mike's going to start railing on Shoe or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Usually the safe money's on Shoe.
0: Is Shoe on Facebook? Now, that would be really <laughs> problematic. Very problematic. Speaking of uh, Oklahoma football, I, I just... These national guys, the Cover 3 podcast, and we talked about this a little bit, um, you know, the other day, but still... And this was Tom Fornelli, right? Danny Cannell's on that podcast, correct? Cover three? Yes, I believe and, so. Uh, but I, I don't get – I'm not sitting here thinking they need to say Brent Vittables is going to be the Nick the Saban of the next 10 years, and Oklahoma's going to win multiple national championships. I don't expect that, but I don't expect to hear like this where they say that Brent Vittables just isn't uh, at all an exciting hire.
2: About What Lincoln Riley has done I think kind of speaks to how they feel About the hire too because Brent Venables is a Great defensive coordinator and he has Been for a very long time I have absolutely No questions that he's going to Come in and that defense is going to be good It is going to be well coached it's going to be aggressive It's going to be all that fun stuff But he's never been at the head of the table. He's never been in charge of the program. And I just don't know how that's going to go. So I think that this has he has a chance to be, you know, one of those three stars that becomes an NFL all pro player that everybody see the graphics like nobody believed in this guy out of high school. They only gave him, you know, made him one of the top 10 percent players in the world. But like, I just think that there's also a chance that this is kind of like a rebound more than anything. Like, okay, well, we we got to get the guy we know won't leave us. We got to get the guy we know is loyal to us.
0: All right. <laughs> maybe I buy part of that to an extent. But what I, what I don't buy is, again, Oklahoma's history of hiring uh, assistant coaches. Bob Stoops wasn't a sexy hire, but he was a great hire. Um, Barry Switzer may not have been the sexiest hire back when Chuck Fairbanks went to the Patriots. But guess what? He ended up with three national championships and a bunch of wins. Bud Wilkinson, again, all the sooner coaches who have won national championships were hired as assistants. So again, did Oklahoma win the press conference? In my opinion, they did. But it's about more than winning the press conference. It's about preparing you for the path that you're about to take again to the SEC. Now, Parker, maybe I'm going to raise my hand and plead guilty because I have been very bitter. I admit it. I need to move on. I haven't yet. Hopefully, I will. But a lot of us are still, you know, trolling Mule Shoe, talking about Mule Shoe. And that's led some of these national people to believe that the hurt feelings are because, oh my gosh, we lost this incredible coach and all the things he did for us. We'll never get a five-star quarterback again. And that's all BS. Again, Oklahoma fans are upset because they think he did OU football wrong, the way that he left. It's not that they're pining for, oh, my gosh, Lincoln, come back, please. This program was in great hands. And I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley didn't do a good job. He did do a good job to a certain extent. But when you're talking about making this move and the transition the program needs to make physically, particularly on defense and just the way you go about your business, who's done the best job out there of any other program in college football looking like a top-flight SEC program? Clemson right well if you're looking at teams outside the SEC yes it's absolutely Clemson I mean you if you didn't say no better I mean, say Ohio State maybe but I still think defensively Clemson's been better overall
1: I guarantee you the vast majority of casual college football fans that aren't in tune with conference alignment would recognize Clemson as an SEC team based on geography based on their success over the past decade and based on their style of football Brent Venables is tailor-made for the SEC I mean, tailor made. That makes no sense to me. The narrative that Brent Venables isn't going to be prepared for the SEC. I understand if you get. I I, I understand if your opinion is that it's not an exciting hire because, sure, first time head coach. You could have gone and made a splashier acquisition, but at the end of the day, you're talking about arguably the most successful coordinator on either side of football at the collegiate level over the past two decades. So I understand it's not an exciting hire. But I don't know how much better of a hire you could have made.
0: And who would have been been an exciting hire? Uh, Lane Kiffin, right? You win the press conference. Do you you want Lane Lane. Kiffin? I'd rather have Brent Venables than Lane Kiffin. And I think Lane Kiffin's all right. I, I enjoy him on Twitter. I think he's a decent football coach. But I'd much rather have Brent Venables. So, again, if you want to win the press conference, and I think here Brent absolutely won the press conference big time. I thought it was great. Did they see him when he landed at the airport? Because, uh, you know, the opinion is – and do you buy any of that theory that the Oklahoma fans have come after Lincoln Riley and, uh, you know, him going to USC so hard that people have this misguided perception that the Oklahoma fans are so hurt because they lost this incredible coach? I think that's what a lot of the national people think. I think –
1: basically, here's the way I look at it, Mike – Those of us that have an up-close and personal look at the Oklahoma football program day in and day out understand how it all went down. And we have the best and most accurate perception of not only the way that he departed, but the month or so that led up to it. I'm not sure the national media is cognizant of the fact that Lincoln Riley basically danced around the truth for a month and said without explicitly saying that I'm staying at Oklahoma. I'm not going anywhere. And I really don't think they know the reality that he told many of his recruits that. That he straight up lied to their faces. That he said, I'm not going anywhere. I will be at the University of Oklahoma. That, I think, is lost on them. Yeah. I think they just see it at face value. They say, oh, you know what? Riley got tired of whatever situation he was in at Oklahoma. Wanted a new challenge. Out in the Pac-12, gets an opportunity to make a lot more money and resurrect a dormant powerhouse in USC. I think when you look at it at face value, it's easy to understand, or I guess it's easy to perceive that Oklahoma fans are a little bit salty and rubbed the wrong way about the whole ordeal. But, I think when you have a deeper understanding of the way that it all happened, and what transpired in the weeks leading up to the departure, then it becomes a little bit more clear that, you know what, no, Oklahoma fans probably have a right to feel the way that they do.
0: Yeah, and look, it makes sense. They're not close to the program, they're on the outside looking in, so they don't have the perspective and the day to day, you know, uh, dealings with sooner players, sooner assistant coaches. Or the head coach, so I get that. But some of this is just lazy. Like this comment right here Brent Venables isn't ready for the SEC.
2: Really? I, now that I think about it, like Oklahoma moving to the SEC probably does impact the way I view that higher because I just don't know if Venables is going to be able to take the Sooners into the SEC and really compete from the start. Whereas I think Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame is probably going to continue having a lot of success. Right. Okay,
1: that's because Marcus Freeman doesn't have a but, conference affiliation. That's right. Exactly. Now, listen. Right. I agree. Marcus Freeman is going to be really successful at Notre Dame. Yeah, I like but that hire. What, like, what is the suggestion? What's the inference there? Is it that.
0: I think they you, were talking about uh, the head coaches going into their first year, the new hires is where that came from. That was the perspective uh, that they, he was uh, alluding to there, I think. But just the part where he says, I, I don't know that Brent Venables is ready to take them into the SEC. Like I, like I said, Clemson has basically been an SEC team playing in the ACC. So, I, I don't know why they would have that take and that uh, opinion, but they do. Some of them do. That's just crazy to me. My, I guess my question is: Who would you rather have had
1: if you were Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma Athletic Director? And I'm a, I'm asking this to Tom Fernelli as well as anyone else that's dissing the Brent Venables hire. If you were in Joe Castiglione's shoes. What's a better hire that you could have made? I would love to know that. I would love to know who they would have taken over Brent Venables. Yeah, because I, I don't think we've heard anybody
0: answer that question. No, right? and I, th-
1: I, I mean, t- ten minutes after Lincoln Riley, or I guess after the news hit that Lincoln Riley was going to USC, I remember getting on the phone with a coworker and being like, "All right, well, I guess they go after Brent Venables now." I mean, it was blatantly obvious that not only was he the best candidate for the job, but he also was going to be Joe Guseklians. First call in all likelihood, and he was.
0: Yeah, it's uh, to me again, and, you know, we played the previous clip where they were talking about, oh, I guess the OU fans just want somebody who's going to stick around for a while. Yes, yes, they do, but they want somebody who's going to be a high-quality head coach doing the right things, having some integrity and some class, not being a paranoid at, uh, you know, Mr., uh, you know, the media's out to get me, you know, all that stuff. They want a guy that they can trust also, who's a a good candidate. And Brent was a great candidate. And uh, like I said, I'm not sitting here telling you that Brent Venables is just going to win the conference next year when they go to the SEC. Guess what, Nick Saban, you're in big trouble. But again, when you're headed down this path to a tougher road, Uh, you need a tougher team, and I think you have uh, more of a defensive-minded head coach who hired a really good offensive coordinator, and that, to me, is the recipe that you need. So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, thank you to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great company, great Sooner, Tim Lasher. They'll do a great job for you. They're sponsoring our first hour here. Steel Man and Thune of the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Let's come back, talk a little hoops when we return here on the Ref. Actually, the numbers nine seven eight seven last night, as in Texas Tech beating the Sooner women at the LNC ninety seven to eighty seven. Fifteenth ranked Oklahoma falls to nine and four in the league. Game behind uh, Texas and Iowa State now, right? Skyler Van 17-16 for Maddie Williams, but Texas Tech wins the game. Big game for the Sooner women, just like the men coming up this weekend. The men will play at Iowa State, and uh, that's a 1 o'clock tip-off. And then the uh, Sooner women will play Iowa State at 6 o'clock at Hilton Coliseum. So uh, two big matchups for uh, the OU men, and then the Sooner women later at night. We'll talk more about the men's matchup coming up here in a minute. Let's hear from Jenny Baranchek last night as the uh, OU women again fall at home 97-87. to 87. Here is uh, Jenny on the loss from last Honestly, night. Honestly,
3: Texas Tech, I thought, did an incredible job. I mean, they controlled the game from the tip, and we we need to be better. We need to be ready, and that's on, that's on us as coaches to be able to really have our team prepared, and I'm disappointed in a in a variety of things, obviously the rebounding, um, our fouling, and y- yes, you have to credit them. They've got a, a great basketball team, and at the same time, I'm just I'm really disappointed in in myself and and in us for just not having us ready.
0: Well, that was a surprise last night because uh, Tech has not had a good uh, season overall. Unranked, ten and 14, 3 and ten in the league. Yet, I guess you know even really good basketball teams, and the Sooner women are a good basketball team. They've had a great season. They're twenty and five on the year, and again, they are nine and four in the league. But sometimes you throw a clunker out there, and I guess this was that one, right, Parker last night. And again, that that happens. That happens at times for basketball teams.
1: We see I mean Baylor, the former number one overall team in the country, they laid quite an egg last night against the Texas Tech men's team. yeah so again, it's one of those things where it's it's the game of basketball Mike. sometimes the shots don't fall. sometimes you're just not in sync. Games like this happen, and they happen for everybody. Teams that can go an entire season without a clunker are very few and far between. And so Oklahoma was due for one of these at some point. Look... It doesn't change the overall outlook for Jenny Boronchek and this team. They're still a tournament team. They're still going to be a formidable foe come tournament time. And Jenny Boronchek is probably coach of the year right
0: now. She's done an unbelievable job. It's a great hire. Uh, they play exciting basketball. wasn't their night last night. They fell behind. Uh, they came back. They got the lead back momentarily. But, again, it's one of those classic deals where, you know, you uh, there's maybe not as much gas left in the tank. After you burn all that fuel making the comeback. But, by the way, it's Baylor and Iowa State, I believe, that are ahead of the Sooners in the standings. Uh, so Oklahoma's one game back in the conference standings. So this is a big game at Iowa State coming up this weekend for the OU women. That's a 6 o'clock game on ESPN+. Now, the OU men play at 1 o'clock. That's also an ESPN-plus game, unfortunately. But, uh, Parker, you cannot underestimate. This is the biggest game by far of the season. Iowa State fighting for its tournament life, just like Oklahoma. Hilton's not an easy place to go win a game. Then right after that, you have to go to Lubbock. Uh, You know, do do the Sooners have a chance to win in Lubbock? Yes, a very slim chance. So, and uh, you look at the the schedule for Oklahoma, what they have left. So, let's say you lose to Iowa State, and then you go to Tech next Tuesday night, and you lose in Lubbock. Well, then you've got to win out. Yeah, you, you got to beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia at home, and you're going to have to go to Manhattan and win at Bramlage, which hasn't been easy for Oklahoma to close it out. And guess who else is fighting for their tournament life? Kansas State. Uh huh. So there's a lot of work to be done. If you can somehow get this one this weekend, that would be colossal. Yes, it'd be massive, but
1: I I know everybody's going to be quick to label this weekend's game at Iowa State a must-win. I'm not putting it in that category right now just because, like you mentioned, I think you can lose the next two, sit at 14-14, and and as long as you win the last three and get a win in Big 12 play, I think you're in the tournament at 18-15. and That's how much leeway I think Oklahoma will have because of the fact that they play in the Big Twelve, and their resume is as I I I don't want to say their resume is good, but it's chock full of almost, and that's something that the committee is going to weigh heavily. Is for sure,
0: top 10 tip- Fifteen wins, also. Yeah, four top fifteen wins. Now, some of those teams th- have not been as good later in the year, but still, you, you, when they played them, that's where they were. So they you play Kansas within a possession
1: mm-hmm. at Fog Allen. You give Baylor all they could handle at the Farrell Center. A lot of Oklahoma's losses have been really good basketball games. If you take out take out for a moment the two matchups against Baylor and the matchup against Auburn. So you're talking about top five teams right there. If you take those two out of the equation, they've only lost one game by double digits. All of their losses have been tightly contested ball games. And so, I, almost isn't going to cut it on selection Sunday. You got to start turning the almost into wins. And so, yes, Oklahoma's going to need to close strong. I think they need to beat Oklahoma State, I think they need to beat Oklahoma or uh, excuse me West Virginia, and I think they need to beat Kansas State. At Bramlage. Those three are wins you got to have.
0: Yeah, it but, would be nice if you could get one this weekend, but like I said, uh, I just don't give them much of a chance in Lubbock, particularly after the way they beat Tech. Usually, you know, yeah. Tech's going to be really locked in, and I'm not saying they weren't in the first game, but. uh... You know, I just don't see that one happening. If you could steal one this weekend, that would be really huge.
1: Yeah, again, you can't count on winning in Lubbock, even though you did beat the Red Raiders by 15 at the Lloyd Noble Center. I mean, Tech just handed it to Baylor on their home floor last night.
0: So, Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And, uh, man, somebody's going to be left out in the Big 12. And uh, for the Sooners, again, uh, you're looking at teams TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma – all on that same bubble. I know Joe Lenardi still has the Sooners just barely in. But uh, like I said, you you lose the next two, you're gonna be on the outside looking in and to get back in the in tournament uh contention, NCAA tournament contention, you'd have to win, I believe, the last three and maybe one game in the Big 12 tournament. 7-11, again, if you're in the Big 12, that might get you in. That might get you in. Wasn't that Oklahoma's record back in 2018, Trey Young year? I think it was. Yes. Yes. If and I recall correctly. I don't know. Some people thought the star power of Trey Young also helped the Sooners get a bid that year, but uh, these last five games are just huge. Like I said, I look at all of those games... Uh, the only one I don't consider very winnable is the game in Lubbock, uh, Lubbock next Tuesday. So, and uh, man, they had that incredible comeback against Iowa State. That was the Bijan Cortez game at the LNC, right? Yes, <laughs> it was like thunderstruck all of a sudden. Bijan Cortez was making plays to close the game for OU. We got to come up with a nickname
1: for Bijan.
0: Well, I, I know Toby has used Bijan Mustard. I know, pretty good. It's got to be. It, it, we got to. It, it got to have
1: something to do with the hair, though. That's the thing. Because hmm. you know, Brady Manick was Prairie Larry because of the, uh, yeah, the stature and the hair and the beard and all of that. But uh, we we got to come up with. We got to come up with something for Bijan Cortez. Help us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. six five one thirty four thirty nine. Let's give Bijan a nickname.
0: And by the way, you can also wish uh, Parker Thune a happy birthday. It's his birthday. Go to Twitter. Those balloons will be flying all over his uh, account, so you can wish him happy birthday. Yeah, and uh, Toby, I like, you know, when Bijan throws a nice uh, pass or something, nice assist. Bijan mustard is very well done, though. I still like that. I don't know if you want that as a nickname, but uh, it's a good description of a nice Bichon play. Man, there was a lot of mustard. Mm Mm-hmm. In that Iowa State game from him, no doubt, first time around. All right, we will break right here, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Thursday. Back in studio today, the Brown O'Haver Studios. Thank you to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Speaking of satisfaction, that's exactly what you'll get from Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We're coming right back. One of your favorites is talking about the Kyler Murray situation. We'll get into that coming up next. All right, welcome back. Yeah, we both like uh, some Tom Petty here. I was playing uh, a couple Sundays ago doing some uh, radio prep work for Monday, and I had uh, Damn the Torpedoes in the vinyl. Oh, wow, so good. So good. It was popping off the speakers. Really good. All right. Welcome back. Thanks again to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our number one, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right. I want to talk about Kyler Murray here in a second, but I, I do want to announce back in studios today, the Brown O'Haver Studios, the forces of mucus were defeated. They surrendered uh, earlier today at um, Appomattox Courthouse and uh, a victory was declared by uh, the Steely organization over this nasty uh, battle that we had. Yeah, I, I did not have Steely comparing his sore throat to the Civil War on my bingo board today. Well, you know, you never know what kind of bingo we're going to be playing here. But I will say this. I was telling TJ this story. Shea hasn't even heard it because, and I don't know why I forgot to tell her, because it was a funny story. We have a, a chihuahua that we rescued that uh, one of Shay's friends found running around with another dog in the, the mean streets of Waco, Texas And no these these dogs around the holidays were just running around for like four or five days So Shay's friend asked, what's going on with these dogs? They're, they're really good looking dogs, One was like a Border Collie and then our Chihuahua And the neighbors said, well, these people moved away and I think they just left them here So first of all, who does that? But secondly, she got on, uh, you know, texted Shay a picture of our Chihuahua, now Lala, and said, you guys want a Chihuahua? And we said, yes. So, she's she's been a great dog. She's very sociable for Chihuahuas. A lot of them will hang around just one person, and kind of that's, that's their person. But uh, this dog, very social. She loves when company comes over. And one of the things that she does all the time, Chihuahuas love to burrow underneath a blanket or something. That's their deal. They love that. And uh, we've been laughing because she's the sweetest little dog, but every now and then you'll hear... And we're like, what's that all about? And we figured out that she, on our our sofa in the uh, living room, we have a blanket out there. And what she's telling you, she's standing on the blanket, and she looks at you and goes, and she's telling you, dude, get over here and put this blanket on me, all right? I don't want to do the work myself. So you have to go and drape the blanket over her, and then she's good. Well, during this nasty battle I had with the forces of— mucus uh, and the sore throat before that I would have all of a sudden you would just have the sneeze that would come out of nowhere and when you've got a sinus infection or whatever this was I know it wasn't Rona because we did the home test but they can come out of nowhere and they're they're painful sneezes you know what I'm talking about oh yeah yeah, yeah. but they're big and uh, there is some stuff going through the air when you've got that stuff in your system so, our Chihuahua loves to get up on me and put her paws up, like, around my shoulders area and stay there and either kind of tilt her head and sleep or just stare right at me. Oh, I know where this is going. While I'm watching TV, whether it's Netflix, basketball, whatever. And sometimes I finally have to put her on her blanket because she could just do that stare for like an hour. So here came an uncontrollable sneeze the other day. Shea was still working in the office. I was setting up Netflix or something. and. All of a sudden, you know, a lot of times when you have a big sneeze like that, you feel it coming. You're like, oh, gosh, here it comes. Well, this one came out of nowhere, and it was big, and it was, uh, there was some bad stuff flying through the air. And guess who caught the brunt of that? Yes, the Chihuahua. And she looked at me and just went, and it was a bigger roar than normal, little growl. And then she jumped right off of me and left the room. Not happy with that situation at all. I think that's the first time I really upset her because she got to sneeze right in the face and she did not like it. And I don't blame her. That's understandable. All right, it's kind of what Muleshoe did uh, to the Sooner Nation. Sneezed right in their face and then left for Hollywood. You dirty rats. Have fun out there on the left coast, all right? Just have fun. We're here in the heartland of America where people are morally sound and they care about the right things. Not about themselves or the glory or the glamour. Well, maybe sometimes. But you know what I'm saying? We're just better people here. Salt of the earth kind of people. They aren't out there in California. I'm just saying. And you know You know what's right. Okay, so we were talking about Kyler Murray the other day. And, you know, when he scrubbed all of his social media and uh, we're like, what is going on? You know, and and I know they faltered down the stretch, second half of the season, but they were in the playoffs. Yes, he had an embarrassing performance against the eventual Super Bowl champions in the first round of the playoffs. One of the worst pick-sixes you'll see, but Kyler Murray's been a good NFL quarterback, no doubt about it. Hasn't been just unbelievably off-the-charts crazy good, but he's been really good. So... Yes, he's he's up for a contract, but it just looked really weird. And now everybody's talking about, well, Kyler Murray, man, is he aloof? Is he talking to his girlfriend? Is he FaceTiming her, you know, at halftime? Maybe he's immature. Maybe he's a sore loser. All of that stuff. Well, Shannon Sharp, your guy Shannon Sharp said... Uh, that he believes it is Kyler Murray who has
2: caused this whole mess. He's trying to calm down noise that he brought on himself. Before he scrubbed that page, nobody was asking questions about what Kyler Murray is like behind the scenes. Mm. It's kind of like People Magazine, Skip. When you start, when the entertainers, they start erasing each other off their page, Mm -hmm. what people go do, what TMZ go do. Mm -hmm. They go looking, asking questions. And a lot of times you find out things you didn't even know or you weren't even looking for. Nobody was asking anything about Kyler Murray. Well, he ain't lying. No, he's 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 not lying. He's
0: right on the money with that. And I I don't know. Um, Do you think Kyler, as great an athlete as he is, again, when you're 5'9 and you're that tiny and you can, yes, you can escape most. Of the defenders who are coming after you. He's got great escapability, but you can't escape everybody. Is that a situation where it's just a small quarterback and, again, despite his wheels, eventually is going to be broken down somewhat over his career? What do you think is the issue? I know they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, which was kind of a big deal down the stretch, too, right? Yes, So, what exactly are you asking here, Mike? Do you think that that he's starting to take a beating a little bit too much, and that is maybe why he wears down a little bit too uh, in the second half of the season?
1: No, I think a word you used is a very good word to describe Kyler Murray, and it's aloof. I don't know how much of a negative connotation that word carries, but I don't mean that necessarily in a negative sense. I think that's just Kyler Murray's personality. And so... I think when he is – when you have a guy like him who isn't super forthcoming about their situation and their feelings, and then all of a sudden, boom, Cardinals are gone from his social media platforms, yeah, naturally people are going to start asking questions. And yeah, rumors are going to circulate, and people are going to throw stuff out there that – May be true, may not be true. People are going to throw stuff out there based on hearsay, and you're going to have all these narratives surrounding uh, your life and your relationship with your organization and the person that you are off the field, and none of this would have happened if Kyler Murray hadn't taken the petty step of deleting the Cardinals off all of his social media platforms. yeah but Again, Shannon Sharp's I, right. Yeah. I don't know what is going on behind the scenes between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I don't know if the root of the issue is Kyler. I don't know if it's the Cardinals. I don't know where the fault lies what i do know is that kyler murray is the one that made the crucial misstep here and it's the reason why we are now talking about this live on air And it is now the reason why the national pundits and the talk show voices all across the country are having the exact same conversation.
0: Well, and he came back. He put a a picture back on Instagram of him in a Cardinals uniform and then the message, like, none of this stuff you're hearing is true. Those who have been, you know, out there with me know what I'm all about, how hard I go, all that stuff. That's not the verbatim quote, but basically that's what he was saying. Because what happened was, again, as you said, What do you do if you're a reporter in Arizona and you see that? Mm -hmm. You pick up the phone, you call whatever player connections Mm -hmm. you have, whatever coach connections you have, whatever inside connection you have to that locker room and that team and say, man, what's this all about? And guess what you start hearing? That's when you start hearing, well, Kyler's detached or he's on his phone you know, in the locker room a lot or talking to his girlfriend. That's how that stuff happens because you take the step to make people pick up the phone and wonder what the heck's going on. Right? It wasn't a story until Kyler made it a story. Right, yeah. That's that's what it boils down to. Bottom line is I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to get his deal. But I, I wonder, you know, if if that causes any kind of locker room friction at all. I, maybe it won't. As time passes, it'll become less of a deal, uh, particularly by the time next season rolls around. But it was just a very unusual thing. And then the statement he made in the
1: aftermath didn't do really anything to quell the rumors and the speculation because, Kyler, nobody's nobody's sitting there and questioning your drive and your desire to play football or the effort that you bring on Sundays. The natural question that's in people's minds is, well, you see somebody erase someone else off their social media platforms. What's that usually an indication of? Uh, (laughs) You're not on great terms with that person or Mm -hmm. a relationship is over.
0: And so, if you took two four seven and you took the ref off your bio on Twitter right now, I would guess that you would probably be getting texts within uh, a couple minutes. Yes, what's going on? What happened? What's the deal? This was Kyler Murray doing that, so yes, there were going to be a lot of questions out there. And you're right, he did nothing uh, to, uh, you know, quash any uh, talk or uh, dispel any rumors out there with a basic like uh, you, you guys know how hard I play. Yeah, no again, that, nobody's that, question that. That wasn't Kyler. the question. The question, question is what's the issue with the organization? Is the issue. So, anyway, all right, we'll take a break right here. Ladies and gentlemen, hey the thunder. They lost last night, but it was it was it was a good loss. And Lindy Waters made his first NBA 3, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy who'd been tearing it up in the G League. Trey Young's teammate at Norman North, five points in eight minutes. We'll talk a little uh, NBA, and we'll get into a lot more college football. Plus, we'll get to the text line, Air Comfort Solutions text line, when we get back. Stay here. Okay, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, the Air Comfort Solutions text line always open to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Thunder, by the way, uh, taking on the Phoenix Suns uh, tonight after uh, losing to San Antonio 114-106. But, man, Trey Mann and Josh Giddey continue to play well. Teo Maladone also had a heck of a game off the bench. Poku had 10 points, 10 boards, and 4 assists. So there are good things happening. And Lindy Waters made his first NBA 3, played 5 or 8 minutes, actually, and had 5 points. Uh, Again, Oklahoma City without SGA. Lou Dortz, uh, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, Mike Muscala, Ty Jerome, uh, Kenrich Williams all did not play last night. The Thunder again. You got to be thinking about, uh, you know, you have got to get one of the four: Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro, or Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Although he's a two guard, and the Thunder are, are pretty uh, pretty set right there right now. Parker, you want to go to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine? Yeah. One listener says, "Are y'all contractually
1: obligated to mention the Thunder? If not, bless your hearts for giving them airtime."
0: We are not contractually obligated, no. We are not. We are not. Another listener says, we need to start some behavior
1: modification for Steely to get him past this mule shoe thing. What kind of prize can we put in a jar every day that he does not bring mule shoe into the conversation?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm.
1: Suggestions on a nickname for Bijan Cortez. Okay. Uh, Kingfisher
0: Jesus. Yes. Cortez the Killer. Uh, Neil Young song, oh, yeah. Neil, Neil Young reference. I believe Eddie Radicevich, uh may have claimed Cort- uh, the other one. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay.
1: Well, then I guess we gotta. I guess we gotta roll with Cortez the kill. Those are the only two good ones. All the
0: others, yeah, not really feeling them. Neil Young uh, and uh, Spotify. Man, I like some Neil Young. Decade is a great double album. And uh, Neil Young, you know, he's a big uh, collector of train sets. He's kind of an unusual dude, but I uh, like his music quite a bit. See, what impresses me about you, in addition to your sports knowledge at your age, is your appreciation of older music. Did, that, dabbled, did that come yeah. from your parents? Uh, to an extent, uh, to, yeah, musically to an inclined? Extent,
1: to an extent. Um, I mean, my dad when we would drive around to baseball games and stuff when I was younger, nine, ten, that was really when I started listening to music and he always he it was you you had iPods at the time, right? Oh, that yeah. was back when iPods yeah. were a thing. So. We thought
0: those man, these are awesome. Incredible.
1: I, he got me an iPod nano when I was probably nine or ten and loaded it up with Tom Petty and U two and Boston and the cars. There and, you
0: go, man. That's a great dad right there.
1: That's a good dad right there. Yeah. Loaded so then,
0: it up for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, then later on I I expanded my breadth of uh I guess your repertoire. Yeah, my repertoire uh of listenership to, you know, the pink Floyds of the world, Led Zeppelin. Uh but yeah, sixties, seventies, eighties rock music. That
0: was that was what I was raised on. There you go. That that's very impressive parenting right there. Very impressive. Major props uh so anyway all right uh air comfort solutions text line again always open to you 405 3439 and uh we will answer any text that you have if we can and if we can't we'll just lie uh one listener says prediction for ou's next starting quarterback to be nick evers or jackson arnold what are your thoughts Mike? Ooh, well i'm not as plugged in as you um, may, I would say maybe Nick Evers, but you have seen uh, like the videos and seen them in action. I haven't, um, I don't know, uh, based on what I'm hearing about Evers, maybe a slight edge to Nick Evers. Yeah.
1: I would give Evers the edge just because he'll have a year to his advantage and right. he'll, he, he'll be. He'll have that natural leg up on Jackson Arnold. I also just really, really like Nick Evers' skill set, and that is no dig on Jackson Arnold because that dude's yeah. going to be a tremendous quarterback four as well. Four-star, Does right?
0: he have a chance to go five-star? He does have a chance to go five-star. What yep. I like about Nick Evers, too, man, uh, hearing about his athletic ability, obviously four-star uh, recruit, but what this kid is doing like with his NIL stuff, And uh, he just seems really mature beyond his years. Seems like a really good kid. And I I don't know anything about Jackson Arnold in that respect, but what I've seen out of Nick Evers, it's very impressive. Another listener says, listening to K-Ref from Battiest, Oklahoma. It does
1: exist. Home of the Panthers. What? Where? Battiest, Oklahoma. Battiest. Wow. McCurtain County, repping. Are there bats in caves up there or what? I guess there must be. I've... I, have I ever been through McCurtain County? Yes, I, I guess I
0: have. I've driven through Idabel once. I can't remember why. So that's deep southeastern Oklahoma? Yes. I mean, Idabel I know is. So I'm then about as far as Durant, or as they call it, Durant down there. Yeah, you know,
1: it was, it was coming back from my, my best friend's bachelor party. That's what it was. That's what took me through Idabel.
0: I was very happy, by the way, to see the Blue Whale of Katusa get some uh, national airtime. <laughs> who does the spots? The Blue Whale of Katusa. We used to road trip to that. The Blue Whale. It's quite the uh, Route 66 landmark there. Very cool. I can't remember who the advertiser was, but man, we, uh, the Blue Whale of Katusa was on a Super Bowl. Ad. Okay.
1: Apparently, I was mispronouncing it. It's Batiste. Batiste. Oh, okay.
0: Sounds interesting to me there probably You could you could have fooled me. There you go. All right. All right, we got a break. We've got uh, another award-winning uh, probably not hour coming up here on the ref. Keep it right here. Are you having a better day than uh, Michaela Schifrin? A third did not finish at the Olympics earlier today. Oof. I mean, I haven't been been paying much attention to the Winter Olympics. I haven't either, but uh, that's pretty big. I mean, she was expected to bring home some gold, right? And uh, she didn't even finish three events. Man, who's your favorite Olympic athlete of all time? It can be an American. It can be somebody from another country.
1: Man, I know it's kind of – I don't know how much of a cop-out answer this is, but Michael Phelps in his prime was so much fun. Mm -hmm. 2008 – that, I, of course, that was the year where he won seven Olympic golds. And watching him dominate, I mean, that was special. Because it's, it's, it's so remarkable when you see one athlete that is so far and away better than the competition. But it's all the more remarkable when that one athlete is that far and away so much better than every other athlete in the world.
0: Who else... Fit that bill like uh, Usain Bolt, Usain obviously, Bolt for a did. while. Yeah, uh, Michael Johnson for that Olympics was unbelievable. Um, I don't know. My, my favorite Olympic athlete of all time is probably Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the British ski jumper who glided like 40 feet. But he was out there, man. He was an Olympian. Eddie the Eagle Edwards. I would not have known that name. Unless you brought it up, Mike. So, I'm going to do a little background research on Eddie the Eagle now. Go Go ahead and Google him up. Go ahead. Eddie. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, boxing to me, like when Sugar Ray Leonard won, uh, that was cool. Um, Carl Lewis, obviously, was great. Um, you know, he dominated and... Uh, he would be one of my favorites. I'm trying to think of who had a more disappointing Olympics, though. Debbie Thomas fell in figure skating, but I don't know if she would have been. It was Katerina Vid, I think she was going up against, who was one of the most uh, artistic skaters of all time. And and really good on jumps and everything else, too. But um, Mary Decker Slaney in that race with Zola Budd there at the, uh, the Coliseum, 84 games, right, when uh, she got tripped. That was a big disappointment. But, man, you miss uh, and you don't finish in events. Uh, I think at least two that she was favored to at least medal, if not get a goal, and you don't finish three events. That's that's crazy. And the Canadians beat the U.S. women's uh, team in the gold medal game in uh, in women's hockey. So I'm like you. I think maybe I've watched about 15 minutes of the Olympic Games, which is, you know, and, and I'm not I, – I, they just don't do – do it for me anymore you know and a lot of it depends on your schedule and what else you have to watch and what you're doing during the day because you've got so many options to watch different events but they just don't do it for me like they used to back in the day all right uh i wanted to ask you about recruiting obviously with uh everything you do for 24 7 sports you know you um you know we're seeing all of these offers all of the kids retweet their offers now you know honored to get an offer from ou and they tag the coach and they put their picture out and everything what what do you make if there are two or three things that you could single out from the kids at oklahoma is offering right now as compared to what they how they were going about it previously. What would you say stands out? Uh, well,
1: first off, size at the wide receiver position, and okay. you see that in their newest offer today, Kyler Casper, who is six foot five, an Arizona native, class of twenty twenty three, and a top one hundred and fifty overall player in the twenty four seven Sports composite right now. Uh, you may remember Kyler's father, Kevin Casper, who was. An outstanding wideout at the University of Iowa in the late 90s, early 2000s, I believe, and then spent six or seven seasons in the NFL. Uh, but his son, Kyler, uh, man, this kid is a stud. And you turn on the tape, he is a fun player to watch because he's got breakaway speed, he's got outstanding athleticism, all the tools you look for in a wide receiver, but the real distinguishing factor is that six foot five frame and that's the type of receiver you look at the fact that Oklahoma just signed Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, two guys that are well in excess of 6 foot 3. Gibson is pushing 6 foot 5. Uh, Caden Helms, another guy that's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid, technically going to play tight end but carries a lot more of a wide receiver frame at 6'5 225. Kyler Casper is another one of those dudes that fits the physical mold that it appears Jeff Lebby is going to be recruiting at the University of Oklahoma. Because if there's one thing that Oklahoma's conspicuously lacked in the wide receiver room over the last few years, it's size. So you think about who's, who was the last real big physical mismatch that Oklahoma had at the wide receiver How position. How big was Hazelwood? Hazel six Hazelwood three. was kind of the lone exception. He was 6'3". He, he was their size guy, basically. Yeah. He was the one guy that... You know, you kind of figured you could throw him in there in goal-to-go situations, throw him a jump ball, and he'd be capable of going to get it. But C.D. Lamb was kind of an outlier in every sense of the word, so I don't know that you can really throw him in that conversation. But with the exception of Jaden Hazelwood, how far back do you got to go to find a wide receiver who was – six four six yeah. five and that much of a- i don't
0: know malcolm kelly was he in that range six three or so i'm trying to think 80 miller and i didn't have a quentin cheney was big as yeah, i recall. there's one that yeah that's one i think he was in the six four six five range uh you can help us out on the air comfort solutions tax line i'm sure we're forgetting about somebody all right so size and wide receiver what else are you seeing in terms of these offers and how they they differ from uh, you know the way uh, Lincoln and Company went about their business.
1: Well, I think, and I've mentioned this before, and I don't know if this is necessarily what you're looking for, but all of the guys that Brent Venables is offering is guys. They're all guys that he will take a commitment from. They're not offering just for the sake of offering. Mm-hmm. They're not offering just for the sake of being able to loop back around if they miss out on one of their priority targets and say, "Hey, we uh, we were recruiting you a year ago, but you haven't been on the phone with the kids since." Every single one of these kids that's getting an offer from Oklahoma is a kid that Oklahoma is going to actively recruit and will take a commitment
0: from. And I, that's a sorry way to go about your business, too. If you're doing that, man, you know what we're offering you, and then all of a sudden, oh, we don't have a scholarship for you. Again, yeah. That that just look, I, I know everything isn't, uh, you know— pure as the driven snow in college football. I know it can be a dirty business, and even in recruiting, we know that, but particularly with kids, if you're just throwing offers out there and deciding, well, remember we offered this kid, oh, well, forget about him. That uh, just doesn't seem right.
1: And I know this is also a narrative that has been pushed a lot, uh, both on this show, on Locked In between me and Tyler McComas. It's something that has been mentioned quite a bit, but The localization of Oklahoma's recruiting efforts, not just Oklahoma kids, but kids from the Kansas City area Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, You think about Brent Venable's stomping grounds back when he was at Kansas State, both as a player and a coach. He is very familiar with the Kansas area, the Missouri area. And so those uh, really anything within a four or five hour driving radius. uh, Those are areas that Oklahoma is going to recruit pretty heavily going forward on the recruiting trail.
0: They need to find themselves a Darren Sproles type, man. Dylan Edwards. That's the guy? That's Dylan Edwards. That's the guy? If they lock down Dylan Edwards, I
1: promise you, Dylan Edwards will be Oklahoma's answer to Darren Sproles.
0: And uh, who is on his list right now besides OU? Uh, Well, let's take a look at his offer sheet. So Oklahoma
1: offered him on the visit back on January 29th. His previous offers included Washington, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Those are probably the two biggest that he has. He's got an Iowa State offer. But it's really – I mean, you look at his list. It's Oklahoma and all the rest. And you see all the crystal ball predictions in favor of the Sooners. They are the odds-on favorite right now to land Dylan Edwards. And if they do – yeah, that's that's a dude that could be – I don't even know if there's a guy you can compare him to. Well, modern-day K-State lore.
0: guys do Vaughn, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to think of an ex-Sooner that you could compare Dylan Edwards to. And that's the thing is he's just such a unique mm. brand of football player that nobody immediately comes to mind.
0: Well, and a lot of people thought they had that guy in Relique Brown, obviously, yes. right?
1: Yes, and Relique Brown
0: would have been that guy. How do you compare those two? I mean, Brown's a little more highly rated, obviously. Yeah, I
1: think they're similar. Uh, Ray Leak Brown is, I mean, the kid's just special. And he's going to be dynamic at USC. If you had to choose between him and Dylan Edwards, especially for the quality of competition he faced, you'd probably lean Ray Leak Brown. But make no mistake, Dylan Edwards is a guy that can be what Oklahoma expected Ray Leak Brown to be.
0: What is the ceiling for By Joe, by the way? Oh, is it like <laughs> Sistine Chapel quality?
1: Oh, it's beyond the Sistine Chapel. And thats I think that's what's so intriguing about him because he's only played two years of organized football, but it's the ceiling that excites everybody. It's not what he's done. It's what he could do. And I've, I've mentioned this before. The kid just has one of the most impressive natural physiques of all time. Before he'd ever lifted a weight – he he stood six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounds, and just looked jacked, as if he came out of the womb pumping iron. And so, you take a guy like that, and you displace him from the hardwood to the gridiron, and get him learning the game, and use his natural aggression and his natural physical advantages in the trenches. Naturally, that's a guy that's going to have some success, especially at the high school level in Oklahoma, and that's what By job has had. But, you know, you get a guy with those tools that are innate, and you think about what he can become if you get him in the weight room for three to four years, and you start to really dedicate his training toward being an elite edge rusher in college football as opposed to being an elite forward on the basketball court – by-Job has the opportunity to be one of the most special players that's ever played high school football in the state of Oklahoma. That's
0: pretty and when impressive. you're talking
1: about the next level, that's a guy that definitely has long-term NFL potential.
0: What about, you said he, he plays organized football. He's played for two years, right? Yes. What about the uh, the Rollins-Kabange kid that was the uh, uh, basketball guy, right? That they got to be kind of a rush specialist? Yeah, I mean, there's... What do we think? Rollins Kibonge
1: is a guy that, and by the way, mad props for you to you for saying his name correctly because not a lot of folks can do that. So I try, yeah. So uh, I remember covering his recruitment, and uh, I remember being on the phone with him and how excited he was to commit to Oklahoma. Uh, I think that would have been uh, it was twenty must have been June of twenty twenty, but. That was a kid that had only played one year of football yeah. when he got to Oklahoma. And, and you're he trying was a to basketball break through kid. and get
0: playing time with the, the guys yeah, they had last I, year. That's impossible.
1: Yeah, and I think he has a lot of the same natural tools that By-Job has. I think there's just something about Job, though, where his athleticism supersedes that of Nathan Ronsky-Bongay. And I do think Nathan Ronsky-Bongay is going to be a pretty good football player before it's all said and done at the University of Oklahoma. But for what Job has – in terms of innate physical qualities it's something that you i mean th- there there is a reason why Bijob job is currently a top 100 overall player according to 24 7 sports and it's because you just don't find physical specimens like him yeah and again it has much less to do with what he's done and a lot more to do with what he could be if you add 15 or 20 pounds on that frame and you let him loose in a collegiate scheme where he can rush off the edge every single down and focus on getting after the quarterback. That's a guy that has all-American potential at the collegiate level and could very well be playing NFL football one day.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, how would you like to be rolling in the dough? Wouldn't we all? Well, you can at Riverwind Casino, and you can do it tonight on Thursdays, this month in February. A share of $10,000 in chips will be given away to six different winners and random hot seat drawings held at 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 5 p.m., 7 p.m., and 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. That's right. In order to win, you must actively be playing a live-rated hand at a qualifying table game during the time of the drawing. But you could be rolling in the dough. Win your share of $10,000. dollars are giving away Thursdays in February. So get out there to Riverwind Casino. It's nice and warm in Riverwind, and you can warm up and win yourself a big jackpot or, again, be rolling in the dough with a great Thursday promotion in the month of February. Take it a break. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring Hour number two, and we're coming right back. Welcome back. Good to have you with us on uh, this Thursday. It's a little chilly out there. That song brings back a lot of memories because, uh, well, Rush. One of the greatest rock and roll trios of all time. Maybe the best. Cream's, cream's pretty good, too. But I uh, love that song. But I, uh, in my days growing up in God's country, Norman, Oklahoma, I had a job at the Boomerang Restaurants. Really? Yes. And uh, I eventually got fired from them because I called 1-900 numbers to get college basketball scores. And uh, it costs like 50 cents a call. Like, yeah, who rang up $85? Uh, Steely's calling for scores. You're fired. That's
1: the most Mike Steely thing I've ever heard. That's but
0: iconic. We had a manager, nice guy named Tony Sawyer. So we would always sing, today's Tony Sawyer, he makes fries. Because he was the fry cook uh-huh see you see, I see what, what we did, did there like, we yeah, were very creative tracking. and stupid back then yes i i got uh, fired I, from uh i tried to take the bowl season off at arby's yes i i i was in charge of potato cakes at arby's <laughs> back my parents one time i did something really stupid and they said you're gonna go get a job and i'm not blaming my parents because my parents are the best but and i remember they were driving me down main street i was in the back seat and i and they were looking on the other side of Main Street. We were heading westbound on Main Street. Okay. And there was an the Arby's had a sign that said help wanted and I'm like, "Please don't look to the right. Please don't look to the right. Please don't look to the right." Oh, well look here, Michael. Go in. Ask him about the job. I did the worst possible interview I could. I didn't want to be in fast food, not that there's anything with it, but I was like, I can't. I'm a senior in high school. I can't do this. What if people walk in and I'm wearing a freaking Arby's outfit? You know, I got some street cred. I can't do this. Guess what? They hired me. They hired me. I remember one particular evening. I was working there with my Arby's uniform on, looking after the potato cakes. When uh, the Norman High School cheerleaders, who uh, I all knew very well, they had no idea that I was working at Arby's at that time, against my will. So they came. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's the cheerleaders. They're coming in for a freaking roast beef sandwich. I got to get out of here. I hid in the uh, walk-in freezer for about 10 minutes. I came out looking like Jack Nicholson after, you know, that scene in The Shining where he's going through the maze. That's pretty much what I look like. But I was able to preserve my dignity by not being seen in the Arby's outfit. Nothing against the people working at Arby's. They're fine people. But I just, at that age, I couldn't handle it. And that's how I got here in this job. BSing people on a daily basis, pretty much. Not much has changed. Yeah you think you could spend a good 10 minutes in a walk-in freezer to preserve your reputation?
1: I feel like I could. I, I don't know that I would. Like If I were in your situation there, I, I don't know. I, first off, I probably wouldn't have had the presence of mind to walk into the walk-in freezer mm-hmm. and hide there. It was very cold. But I I I also probably would have just taken the L. Would you? I'd be
0: like, well, there's no escaping this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to hide in there because people would rarely go in there. So if they would have seen me back, you know, uh, mopping the floor or something, they would have said, Steely, get up here, take the order. I wasn't taking that order. I was not taking that order. And look at you now. I know. Can you believe the career track from Arby's to uh, right down the, the street? The creativity <laughs> and the stupidity hasn't gone anywhere. That's exactly the, right. The I field mean, of work has Yeah, that's exactly has changed. right. Okay. All right, um, <laughs> oh, God, it was pathetic, really pathetic. All right, for my friend Brian, he actually texted me, and I like this, and they can help us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Steely, I'm curious, you and Parker, growing up as Sooner fans, even though he's from Nebraska, right? Yes, he is. Uh, who were the players that you thought were super cool or idolized growing up, following OU football? That's a good question for the text line, too. I can tell you mine. uh, Do you want to go first? You you talked about AD the other day. Yeah,
1: I feel like I've said this many times. My earliest memories of watching OU football were the Jason White, Adrian Peterson days. So Jason White will always have a special place in my heart. For my money, that is the most undervalued and underrated Sooner of all time. And it's not often you can say that about a Heisman winner, but I don't think Jason White gets nearly the love that he should. He
0: should you're right. And the thing about Jason is because his knees were so bad, he couldn't play at the next level, right? He just physically couldn't do it. But for what he did coming back from those three surgeries to win a Heisman, remarkable.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Jason White and Adrian Peterson are two of my absolute favorite tuners of all time. Uh, it, you know, it's interesting. So I started watching the Vikings, a lot after mm-hmm. they drafted Adrian Peterson. It was super convenient because I lived in Nebraska, right? We didn't have cable TV, so we just had you know, we had one of those antenna. So you get the uh the big networks and that's it. So, the only the only TV I ever watched was really the NFL broadcasts on Sundays, college football on Saturdays, NFL broadcasts on Sundays. And because Nebraska is Reasonably close in proximity to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. More often than not, Fox would carry the Vikings game in our area. So I got to watch a lot of Adrian Peterson in his uh, early days with the Minnesota Vikings. And I, this is not Oklahoma-related, but I through watching the Vikings, I developed a very significant affinity for Sidney Rice, who had one outstanding season at wide receiver mm-hmm. for the Vikings. It was 2009, if I recall correctly where he had upwards of 1,300 receiving yards as Brett Favre's primary target in that offense. Man, I don't know what it was about Sidney Rice, but that dude was so much fun to watch. I remember there were there were games where – and there were downs where Brett Favre was just like, all right, well, screw it. Sidney Rice is down there somewhere. And, I mean, would just throw some stupid 50-50 ball, and the dude would always go and get it. He played his college ball at South Carolina. I know that much. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he had – I believe, four seasons with the Vikings and then a stint with the Seahawks before he retired due to concussions. He retired real young, 28, 29. But uh, Sidney Rice was one of my favorite football players as a child, and it was largely because I just just ended up watching him through coincidence because of Adrian
0: Peterson. Was it the – didn't the Vikings lose to that Saints team that went on to win the Super Bowl?
1: Oh, yes, Mike. I remember that game very well.
0: Brett Favre's pick, right? Was it a pick or a fumble? No, it was a pick.
1: It, it was because there, uh, it's it still kind of hurts because you know I'm a Bucks fan, have been for a long time, but I was sitting there and I was I was rooting for the Vikings. I was because I wanted to see AD get to a Super Bowl, which he still has never done, and at likely at this point, no, won't. no, not now. But they were, I want to say, on the 39 yard line with seven seconds left. The game was tied, 28 to 28 if I recall correctly, 24-24 or 28-28, either one. Regardless, they have seven seconds to play. They have a timeout. They decide to run one more offensive play because, you know, 56-yard field goal is right on the edge of Ryan Longwell's range. And Brett Favre rolls out, throws the interception. The game goes to overtime. And they never touched the ball. That's actually the game that resulted in the NFL changing its policy on overtime. Wow. It's because yeah. the Vikings never got the football in that game. The Saints went down. Garrett Hartley was the one that kicked mm-hmm. the field goal to yep. send the Saints to the Super Bowl, which they eventually won over the Indianapolis Colts. And it was that offseason that the NFL started exploring a new overtime format.
0: Yeah, that was wild and uh, won the Super Bowl. Tracy Porter's pick and um, the Saints were Super Bowl champions. But yeah, the Vikes were very close that year. By the way, um, for me, uh, the first guy would no doubt Joe Washington. I still think he's the coolest sooner of all time, Little Joe. And I can remember going to you know. Um, like the the autograph signing day as kids, and this was on old Owen Field, you know, with the the uh, artificial turf and everything back in the day. And I can remember i had I had this red piece of like poster board to get everybody's autograph. And I had taken with a compass, and I'd drawn a circle in the middle of the poster board, and that was supposed to be for Joe Washington's autograph only. And I remember Dewey Selman giving me grief over that because he started to sign in the circle, and I said that, 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 that's for Joe Washington. And he kind of laughed and said, you know, I guess little Joe's getting special treatment or whatever. And everybody started laughing. And I I don't know what I would have been that, what, about 10 years old, I think, at the time. But, uh, and uh, the Selmans, what a great family, by the way. But he had a big grin on his face. And uh, I was able to get little Joe's autograph, and it was the only one in the circle. So it would definitely be Joe Washington for me. What about you guys? 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line always available to you at 405-651-3439. Thank you again to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Think about the number 72. Call an audible. 72. Paul's Valley 72. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. And that great guarantee oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, we'll break right here. We'll talk a little hoops when we get back. Some more Sooner football on the way. Happening right here. Steelman and Thune. Way afternoon on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay. Good to have you with us here on a Thursday. Uh, Man, uh, the winds out there are brutal. Brutal. It's a little bit chilly out there today, but you'll make it. And uh, it's always the action. Very hot inside Riverwind Casino. They've got a great promotion happening uh, right now and a big drawing uh, tomorrow night. It's the $80,000 River of Romance. Promotional drawing, and it'll begin at 6 o'clock tomorrow night out at Riverwind. Runs through 1130 preliminary round, and they'll draw out three patrons' names every half hour. So 33 names in total, a bunch of winners, a bunch of cash and bonus play. Get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in the River of Romance giveaway tomorrow night. They also have, just before midnight, right before midnight, two grand prize winners drawn out to receive, receive extra cash bonus play and any unclaimed cash as well. So that's happening at Riverwind Casino. Great dining options out there. Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, the River Buffet. Friday night is steak night. Saturday night is seafood night. Sunday, a tremendous brunch. They have the uh, Seasons Food Court as well. Panda Express. They've got uh, Burger King, uh, Taco Bueno, one of my favorites. And they're putting an IHOP in there. An IHOP. So you want to do some late night, you know, gambling out there. You can get your pancakes whatever you desire waffles there and i nothing hits quite like late night breakfast oh food, my gosh Mike. i i think um breakfast is the best meal of the day if you do it right what do you think
1: well i, I my stance on it is i will eat breakfast food at any time of the day that's I, good one of that's my a good one stance. Of my and yes i agree breakfast is the best meal of the day um one of my favorite memories from college was when me and my group of friends would all pile into a couple cars and go to Whataburger after 11 p.m. after they start serving the breakfast food.
0: That's a good, there, uh, there good were, strategy. There was many
1: a good night You pulled the Bambles is yeah. what you did. Yeah, legit. Of course, these days, Whataburger doesn't open the, uh, at least the one in Norman, they don't open the dining area. you, you got to go through the drive-thru, which late-night drive throughs at Whataburger, those can get long. Oh, yeah. And you can be there for 45 minutes to an hour. But back in the days where you could just walk into the dining area mm-hmm. and order breakfast food and sit down and eat it, there were there were a few things uh, about my college days that I relished as much as those evenings.
0: Now, let's talk about, it. because if you do breakfast right and you have pancakes or waffles or English muffins or hash browns, eggs, bacon, I mean, they're just, it's, it's an endless supply of greatness is what it is, breakfast foods. And uh, I didn't even mention sausage. I mean, biscuits and gravy, it's the, it's the best meal if you're going with your, your best meal. To me, it's breakfast. But what about like a fast food breakfast sandwich? What is your go-to? A fast food breakfast sandwich
1: interesting see I was uh, one of the things I always used to enjoy when I was younger was the uh, the sausage McMuffin with egg from okay. McDonald's yeah I just I don't go to McDonald's really ever anymore I'll eat there once a year or so for breakfast and that's about the limit for me uh, I'm a big you know I'm a big chick-fil-a fan so the chick-fil-a chicken biscuit mm-hmm. is always a go-to uh, you put a little honey on that thing oh I bet yeah mm. Elite.
0: I, uh, because of proximity, and of course, I am a very health conscious these days. Uh, not really. But I got to go with the uh, sausage and egg McGriddles, the number mm. six at McDonald's. Very good. I mean, uh, that's that's high quality stuff. No doubt about it. All right. uh, Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Surprised to see last night that uh, Texas Tech came into Norman and beat the OU women 97-87. The Sooner women 20-5 in a year, 9-4 in the league. They're a game behind Baylor and Iowa State now in the Big 12 standings, and they play at Iowa State like the men do this Saturday. The Sooner men play at 1 o'clock. And uh, the OU women play Iowa State at 6 o'clock in Ames coming up on Saturday. So the Sooners, again, lose Tech came, coming in at, what, 10-14, and 14, I think, 3-10 and 10 in the league is the, uh, the record for Tech. So that was a surprise. The OU women have had a tremendous season. There's no doubt that Ginny Baranchek has been a fabulous hire. Um, you know, not only she is she a, a great coach – Uh, so far but she is uh, very likable done a lot of good stuff but last night maybe was one of those nights for the Sooner women who fell behind early and had problems catching up obviously as they lose the game 97 to 87 but Jenny said afterwards the slow start was just part of the Sooners problem
3: you know it's unfortunate that we started so slow, but it, again, it's not even about what the scoreboard says. We didn't have the momentum we needed to have. We, we didn't have the fire that we've been having. We didn't have the competitiveness. We didn't have the let's go get the ball and rebound. And so, to me, this is gut check time of are we going to get that? Are we going to ha- are we going to be the team that that has that um, or not? Because we didn't, and Texas Tech did. So those loose balls that maybe don't put us so far behind. We can get those. We get those, and it's a different game. We play with that kind of energy. Um, it's a different game. So I feel like um, maybe to your point, but it didn't have to be so hard, and I think at the same time we needed to play harder.
0: Yeah, it was 8 to nothing right off the bat. The Sooner women came back, got the lead momentarily, but again, uh, Tech was able to withstand that, rally by Oklahoma, and won the game by 10. But again, you can't say anything but that Jenny Baranchek so far has been a home run. Higher for the U.U. women. Uh, Seems a little bit unusual. You've got both the men and the women playing in Ames this weekend. Does it not? Or is that something that I'm not familiar with and I'm just really stupid? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it
1: happens. Mm -hmm. It happens. You'll get the men and women playing in the same venue from time to time.
0: So, and we talked about, man, how big the Iowa State game is. And uh, you said it, and I agree with you. This isn't a a must win, but it's pretty close. Uh, because the way the Sooners' schedule lays out and where they are right on the edge right now, Joe Lenardi still has Oklahoma, you know, just in there. But, look, winning at Tech, after you beat Tech the way you did at home, I don't see Oklahoma going to Lubbock next Tuesday and winning. And if you lose in Ames on a Saturday at 1 o'clock, and keep in mind, Iowa State, like Oklahoma, got off this tremendous start to the season. They've fallen off – they just broke a four-game losing streak, uh, by the way. Was it TCU they beat? I'm trying to remember who they beat. Anyway, Iowa State's fighting for its tournament life just like Oklahoma. So if you lose this game Saturday and you lose in Lubbock next Tuesday, you're going to win out, man. You've got to beat Oklahoma State at home and West Virginia at home, and then you've got to go to a place, Parker, that it's it's like Bramlage Coliseum is is, is haunted by the Sooner men, right? They have some problems there. And you always think, yeah, Oklahoma, they should be able to get this done, right? And didn't they only beat Kansas State in the opening game of the conference by two, I believe?
1: Yes, 71-69 at home at the LNC. By the way, if you told the casual Sooner fan uh, there is a venue, an in-conference venue, besides Fog Allen, yeah. in which the Sooners haven't won in a decade, how long do you think it would take them to say Bramlage Coliseum?
0: Maybe not as long as you think. Yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, obviously the fog, they've been in a fog at Allen Fieldhouse since 93, the Terry Evans game. By the way, one of the coldest nights of my life was uh, doing a broadcast in Ames, Iowa back in the day, on uh, basketball broadcast. Yeah, it and, gets chilly up there. Oh, my. That was walking to the car in Ames, Iowa. You can freeze. You can look like. Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining by the time you get to your vehicle. You may not be able to open your vehicle because that that was pretty brutal. So, anyway. You've seen The Shining, right? I haven't. Just Google up Jack Nicholson Frozen Shining. Okay. And that's bit. that's what it could look like if you don't get to your car in a hurry. You've got to sprint, man. All right. We're going to break right here. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley bringing you hour number two here on this Thursday. On the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas coming up at the top of the hour. Some final sports notes and another text to get to when we get back. Keep it here on the Ref. I like that funky version of uh, Crossroads. Good stuff. Welcome back. Mike Steely Parker Thune with you here on Steelman and Thune. Well, afternoon. Uh, we're approaching 2 o'clock. And at that time, you'll be getting locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas right here in the home of Sooner fans. All right. So Pretzel Logic tweets me. Steele, what is the most heartbreaking Sooner loss in history for you? And I want you to answer that question, too. Most heartbreaking Sooner loss in history. You want me to
1: answer that question because I can answer it right now. Okay. Fiesta Bowl 2007. Nothing will ever come close.
0: Hmm. You didn't like uh, losing to uh, Jared Zabransky and company? No. Especially with how agonizing that loss
1: was. Mike, like, hey, th- think about the national championship game in 2009. I know that's a, it. For people my age, that and the Rose Bowl game. Those will probably be the two games that immediately come to mind. Yeah. Um, I think I think the Fiesta Bowl one was harder to swallow for me just because I was a lot younger. It was it was a formative time in my life and I wasn't jaded by the constant disappointments in bowl season from Oklahoma that I'd become mm. accustomed to by 2017 when they lost the Rose Bowl. Because, to be honest with you, I was sitting there optimistic that Oklahoma was going to come out victorious in the Rose Bowl, I never believed it. I never could bring myself to believe it. As soon as Rodrigo Blankenship hit the field goal at the end of the first half, that was the moment I said, oh, boy, this is not going to go well. it was
0: a a squib kick, right? One of the worst decisions ever. Yes. Who made it? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not the Sooners special
1: teams coordinator. We know that
0: much. That's right. Uh, what do you think the meetings are like for like special teams or I, defensive I, meetings? <laughs> they, all right, defense, you got can, like ten minutes. All right, then we're back to offense. Yeah, but I, special teams, what? Now you guys don't have to meet. All right. Do you want to know, Mike? Because I have on I, I have it on pretty good
1: authority what the special teams meetings look like. Okay. Yeah. They were a sit down for about fifteen minutes a week.
0: Hmm. You know, I've found in life that you get out of a certain job, career, or situation what you put into it is usually the result that happens based on how much attention and effort you put into something. You usually get a better result when you really put effort and real work into something. If you half ass it, guess what? You're gonna have something that's half ass. Oh, you special teams were pretty much that, right? A lot of the time. I mean, how many – look, and, and I know there aren't as many kickoff or punt returns as we used to have, but come on, man. With the athletes you have at the University of Oklahoma, it should have been a lot better. And I, I'm in favor. I like putting really good starting players on special teams. You know, a lot of the switcher teams and the stoops teams, those guys that were big time were playing on special teams too. Why not?
1: Yeah, circling back around, I think that Fiesta Bowl also hits a little harder because, like I said, I was younger then, not as jaded, and it was such an emotional roller coaster too. Marcus Walker snags oh, the pick six from in Zabransky, the final and you
0: thought that's it, man. And then, was then the gonna win it.
1: the frickin' hook and ladder, mm-hmm. followed by the Statue of Liberty in overtime. Also, it was Adrian Peterson's final game too. Mm-hmm. If there's one dude that didn't deserve to go out like that. It was Adrian Peterson. Paul Thompson, too, after all that he poured into the university and stepping in as a converted wide receiver. Yeah. And a fifth-year senior to be the starting quarterback that year in the season he put together. That was a really special year for Oklahoma. And they should have been playing for a national title that year. The onside kick against
0: Oregon is an oh, entirely yeah. different can of no worms. No What a bizarre year that was too. You're right, maybe not as bizarre as this past season, but you're right. And then you had Ian Johnson proposing to his girlfriend, the cheerleader. Afterwards, I mean, it was it was a magical night for Boise. You know, um, I was trying to think of something else you just mentioned. Um, with that game, and it was just uh, the fact that, again, you think that Oklahoma's going to win it, uh, somehow survive when Marcus Walker got that pick six. Oh, if Barry Switzer is listening, coach, look, Parker's young. I know because Switzer always gets upset because he says, there is no hook and ladder. It's the hook and lateral. He always wonders, where does the ladder come into this? There's no ladder. That's it's, a great question. It's just a and lateral. But, I, I wondered but, the exact same But thing. here's the I, deal. Everybody says that mm-hmm. you're not alone. They always say eh, it's the old hook and ladder. So, oh hell, where's the damn ladder coming to it? It's a lateral. Yeah, I I used to say hook and lateral back when I was really a stickler yeah. for
1: uh technically sound facts like mm-hmm. that. But at a certain point, I was just like, you know what? It's colloquially known as the yeah. hook and ladder. Hook and ladder, most specifically that play is known as the hook and ladder. No, and I, got so, you. Yeah.
0: I got you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just apologizing to uh, Burt Schwitzer if he's out there listening on his back for Midway Deli or something. <laughs> so, uh, for me, it will be the 1978 Oklahoma-Nebraska game in Lincoln. I, I believe that that Oklahoma team was the best team in the country that year, and they fumbled the ball six times, and I know Billy Sims was be- very upset. Why is everybody got to talk about my fumble? Because it happened down at the three-yard line. I still remember the Nebraska nerd who recovered the fumble. Jim, Jim Pill. Jim
1: freaking Pillen. He's running yes. for governor of Nebraska right Jim now. Jim
0: Pillen. And probably because he recovered the football from Billy Sims. Jim Pillen recovered it. And then the Sooners got their rematch. So like I said, one of the greatest videos of all time. Was Nebraska was going to win the league. And then they lost to Missouri the next week after beating that Oklahoma team in Lincoln. They here's, lost to Missouri. Go ahead. Here's an interesting one via the Air Comfort Solutions
1: text line OU's loss to Kansas in basketball in the 1988 national I was gonna go game. that
0: was gonna be my second choice really yes yeah. because again I believe that was the best team in the country and I they were, that. And
1: Kansas barely made the tournament they were 21 and 10 in the regular season Danny
0: and the miracles yes and you had to play him in Kemper and they had a great night and I man I, I Billy Tubbs so deserved the national title what a great coach what a great dude but yes that was gonna be number two for me but OU got the rematch. The Orange Bowl set up a rematch between OU and Nebraska. And I remember the video. You can find it somewhere where Tom Osborne and Bob Devaney on YouTube take the call. And your opponent will be the University of Oklahoma. And they're kind of looking at each other like, what? What? Really? Oh, good. And the Sooners won the rematch.
1: Uh, One listener says on the text line, Jim Pillen's political ads, he goes after Oklahoma still. Also, that person's contact on the Air Comfort Solutions text line phone comes up as maybe Tom Osborne.
0: (laughs) I like it. Well, I think Billy Sims ran over Jim Pillen on the way to the end zone of the Orange Bowl, though. That was the, the Oklahoma's best team in the country that year. You know, sometimes you're the best and you don't win and that nobody can convince me that 88 Oklahoma basketball team was the best team in the country, but again, you got to be that particular night and they weren't. Heartbreaking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, get ready to get locked in. We have uh, Parker going another hour. Tyler McComas coming in. A lot of the Sooner conversation coming up. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Thanks to you for turning in. We will see you tomorrow. Get locked in next.